Hey, good listener. This is Tori, one of your hosts for Wallowing in the Shallows. For various and sundry reasons, we changed the name of the podcast after we recorded this episode. You'll hear us refer to the podcast as Shallow Dive instead of Wallowing in the Shallows. We hope you enjoy the podcast in spite of our wee post-recording modification. And as they say, on with the show. Welcome to Wallowing in the Shallows, the podcast that skirts the perilous drop-off of a deep dive into television and movies. We are academic nerds aspiring to become TV and movie geeks. There are no spoiler guards in the shallows, so listen at your own risk. This week, join us for a wallow in a Good Omens Season 1 rewatch. Hey, hello, peeps. Welcome to Shallow Dive. This is Tori. And this is Rebecca, and we are talking about Good Omens, Season 1, Episode 2, The Book. The book. (laughs) So, I don't know if I have as much to say about this episode as I did Episode 1, but I got a few things to say about it. Okay, well, very good. I have some things to say myself. (laughs) All right. Writer and director, I believe, are the same for the entire series, so we don't need to go through that again. Okay, nice, nice. Actually, did we even mention the director's name? I remember talking about Gaiman. The writer, but I don't know if we did or not. Yeah, Douglas McKinnon. Okay, yes. Not familiar to me, but Uh, I remember seeing his name in the credits. Yes. (laughs) Good job, Mr. McKinnon. We like this show. <laughs> we do like it. I, I oh my gosh. If he's involved in season two, but I guess we'll find out in a few days. Mm-hmm. For the listener, I, we're recording this a few days before season two drops. Yes. Yes. And I gave another close watch to the intro and mm-hmm. I'm picking up on a lot more stuff now. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So what'd you pick up on this time? Well... I've got to be careful because we're still only on episode two. Oh, you mean there's spoilery stuff in the credit in the opening sequence? Well, I don't know if I want to say spoilery stuff or I mean stuff we well kind of stuff we haven't seen yet. Yes, okay. there are definitely things in the credits that we have not seen yet in All the right. show as um, of episode two. Okay, then let's just skip that. <laughs> Okay, I will just address the question. (laughs) If we come to any of them during any of the items I noticed during this session, as we're going through, I'll mention them. All right, cool. Okay, let's just jump on into it. Okay, sounds good. So we're in Soho, London, Mm -hmm. Thursday, two (laughs) days before the end of the world. And we've got some angels on site, Gabriel Mm -hmm. and Sandalfon. And this is the one that I looked up because he did not seem as familiar to me as Michael and Gabriel and Gabriel, of course. And that's where I looked up that he's not in scripture, but in some other Jewish and Christian writings. Yeah. But definitely um, a real angel, as real as we can say they are. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. After the last episode when we were talking about it, I also went and looked up a little bit more and- I saw that there was some debate, like some people think he's the prophet Elijah that's kind of been promoted to angelic status. Mm. And 
some other people argue that he's the twin of Metatron. Are you talking about Azurafel? Oh, no, I'm talking or about Sandalfon. Okay, just, just checking, just making sure. Okay, that is who I thought, that's who we were talking about. I just wanted to make sure the continuity was there. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, that's interesting. Yes, and of course, we know Metatron is the voice of God. Nice. Not from the series, I just know that from, you know, being alive General. for as many years as I have. <laughs> General lore. General lore, yes. <laughs> But so, some of the dialogue in this opening scene, oh my gosh. Hilarious. I would like we, to purchase one of your material objects. Yes, yes. We must buy pornography secretly. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Sandalfon seems to have a little more of a grasp on things. He's like, books. Yes, <laughs> yes. And gives the pornography idea as something that would be an embarrassment to humans. Yes. So. Oh, he's so funny. Those when it's actually, goes. yes, when it's actually just Mrs. Beaton's book of household management. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to go back and look at that title and I forgot to do that. So I'm glad it's not yeah. your trivia question. <laughs> no, it it is not. And it was just a really big ass book. And I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, that is a lot of household management. It, yes, it is. I wonder if there are like recipes in that for how to make soap by hand. And how to do this by hand and how to do that by hand and, you know, how to butcher well, I could or enjoy, something. <laughs> I could enjoy some parts of those. Not the butchering the sheep part, though. <laughs> yeah. Or the how to fold napkins part or anything like that. <laughs> how to get your laundry white in a cauldron. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those would be my guesses of what's in that book. I actually think I've heard of Mrs. Beaton. Yeah. I didn't look up if it was a real book, but I'm guessing it was. Probably. I mean, a lot of the references they're making are turning out to be, you know, based on real stuff. So totally not this as well. Speaking of real well, stuff. A couple of additional. Oh. Oh, no, go for it. I was just going to say a couple of more things from this scene. Mm -hmm. Interesting that. Sandalfon gets credited with Sodom and Gomorrah and smiting and turning people into salt. <laughs> I had to go so. look that up because I was thinking, and it's been a really long time, you know, since I read anything out of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I don't remember them naming anybody or any angels. It was just a couple of angels and I couldn't find anything. So I think they just attributed that to him for I the sake so. of the show. I think so, again, because as aforementioned, I don't believe that Sandalfon's name actually shows up in the Bible. So if they had yeah. named angels, and that actually that fits almost more perfectly if the angels are not named, mm -hmm. that the writers chose to attribute it to this particular angel. Right, because how are you going to argue it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I did like the exchange when Sandalfon says something smells evil. And yes, Azarafel says, oh, that'll be the Jeffrey Archer books, I'm afraid. Now, I had to look him up. What do you know about Jeffrey Archer? Well, I knew he was an author. I've never read any of his stuff. So I went and looked him up, too. Quite the the character he was. Absolutely. British and wasn't peer. one of his... Go ahead. Politician. Author. 
and uh, and thrown in jail for perjury and perverting justice, which I yes. love. I think that would be obstruction in the States, but I like perverting justice better. I thought the same exact thing, the <laughs> same exact thought went through my head. <laughs> yes. And I think one of his more famous books is called like Cain and Abel. So yes. interesting, that sort of biblical connection. Yeah. I was looking, when I was looking up some information about Jeffrey Archer, I stumbled across a Reddit thread and there were people asking, you know, what is this reference to? And this one Reddit poster going by the moniker excessive hair dye 42 mm-hmm. said, are you American? Think, oh, that'd be the Donald Trump books oh. <laughs> as a way to explain the equivalent to how people Maybe some people in Great Britain think about Jeffrey Archer. Except there's no way Donald Trump could write a cohesive book. (laughs) Really? But, okay, point taken in terms of his political leanings. Yes. (laughs) I just thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah. So Gabriel believes everything's going to plan. He knows about the hellhound. And he says the magic phrase, it soon will be time to unleash the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. So I had to do a little bit of looking up about that. And let's see. I just want to make sure I don't go too far. Do we meet the first one in this episode or is it not until the next episode? No, I think we meet the first two in this episode, but definitely one. Okay. Okay. Well, very good. So the four horsemen of the apocalypse appear to be, now in this show, they say death, famine, war, and pollution. Right. But pollution is not one of the original four. No. Pestilence. Well, yes, I uh, I, I thought it was technically conquest. Oh, and conquest and conquest was crowned. This is the first one. Ah, but it is thought that it is possible that conquest brings about pestilence and perhaps brings about the coming of the Antichrist. Ah. So I think they just kind of went one step removed from that with going pestilence and i did think it was kind of cool that they changed it to pollution which seemed well oops well that's yeah we know you already mentioned it pollution yeah Yeah. well no and he's said it gabriel has said it right i just won't say what we find out more about pollution. we'll wait on that one for a little while yes Um, we'll definitely wait on i have never heard of pestilence being called conquest and i find that really interesting which makes me want to go dig into it some more but I was wondering, you know, if COVID had happened before the series came out or before they wrote the book, would they have mm-hmm. it pestilence or would they have kept it in? Well, I, and I feel like there are some things that are a little bit confused with the four horsemen of the apocalypse, because you also hear about like war, famine, pestilence and plague as being signs of the end of times, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, uh, you know, clearly plague isn't one of these four, but I know that plague is mentioned in Revelation well, as some of the coming, and the locusts and everything. But isn't pestilence and plague the same thing? Death is the fourth of horsemen? Absolutely. Our four horsemen are 
death, famine, war, and this conquest is the one that is attributed with pestilence. Okay. Well, you were saying now, pestilence and plague. Well, that, because I was saying that there's some confusion sometimes between the four horsemen of the apocalypse and then just general signs of the end of the world. Oh, okay. I misunderstood and those, what you're saying. The, those general signs of the end of the world, like the locusts, which I believe is under pestilence, and I believe that pestilence and plague are some of those signs and war. Got it. Got it. And so I'm, I guess I'm saying there's some overlap here gotcha. between these four horsemen and some of these signs. Okay. I misunderstood but, what you were saying there. Yeah, I may not have been. It's, it's quite likely I wasn't very clear. <laughs> but the other thing that I found very interesting is each of these horsemen uh-huh. is riding a horse of a particular color. Yes. And so very cool to... And I do believe, I I think war is the only one we meet in this episode. And we definitely see that she has red hair. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely a big nod to her horse. Right. So I'll just mention the other colors, which it sounds like you saw as well. Death's horse being green, famine's horse being black, and conquest pollution in this show being white i have never heard a color attributed to death's horse it's always just a pale horse in the references i've seen well i've definitely heard death riding in on a pale horse but from whatever source my apologies i didn't write it down i found my four horsemen of the apocalypse lore Uh the horse was green huh yeah i've never heard that we can look into that with more detail. What I also found, did you find what each of them had? Yes. Okay. So conquest slash pollution with the crown mm-hmm. or with the sword, mm-hmm. famine with the scales. Mm-hmm. And then what did you see for death? Nothing. Right. I saw riding with Hades or something like that. So, but did not have a We'll we'll call it a gift, right? Yes. In this case, yeah. or an item. Right. And yes, death did not have an item. So these are all interesting things to look forward to as we go through the more episodes. But for now, we can just address war, who definitely had red and definitely had a sword. Yes. Was given yeah. the sword. Yeah, I liked how they did that. I liked that they weren't literal to the lore. And so that war didn't come riding in on a red horse. Well, we'll have to see what's coming. <laughs> we haven't, we have, they're being called to ride at this point. I don't uh, think they've true. actually ridden yet. That's true. We haven't gotten to that part yet. See, I remember so little about this series. Right. Uh, right. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if horses, yeah. I don't know if horses happen, but I know that they're not riding yet. They're yeah. gathering to do so. I know in Supernatural, when they had the four horsemen, war was riding in like a red sports car. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So a nod there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And, uh, you know, you can't have war without war. <laughs> got a real kick out of that, didn't you, Gabriel? Gabriel has a limited sense of humor, I think. <laughs> yes. Well, and you need to understand context in order to have a sense of humor, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. his understanding of humans, as we've said, is not real strong. Yeah. 
That is for sure. So was it in this scene that Megiddo? Yeah, I think I think that Gabriel mentions that they're all amassing at Megiddo. Right. Or the American family is getting sent to Megiddo or whatever. Yes, I think he says they're getting sent there because that's where Armageddon would start. And actually, I learned that uh, Armageddon is Hebrew for Valley of Megiddo. That is awesome. I did not see that. Yeah, I thought that was really, really kind of cool. That's fantastic. So this is going to be the location. Well, seems like, according to Gabriel. Our big showdown with the final battle between good and evil. Right. Interesting stuff out there. But but very interesting that it's the American family that's being sent to Megiddo. So (laughs) that's yeah because they think Warlock is the uh, son of the devil. Mm -hmm. All right. So the next thing I have is Crawley didn't mean to fall. He just hung around the wrong people. Reminds me a little bit about uh, like um, Baltar. Is that the guy from Battlestar Galactica that can never take any responsibility for what happens around him? That smart scientist guy who's in love with the dead but alive Cylon. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can see that. Anyways. I can see that. I think that Crowley actually has a stronger moral code than Balthar, Balthar, whatever his name is. Mm. I'm continuing to see that Crawley, we just have these instances of Crawley not being so much evil as a questioner. And he really does have, I, he's, he doesn't want to kill the child. Mm-hmm. And we're just, I, I'll bring up the cases as we encounter them. Okay. But he's he seems to, where where I would say that Xerophel is word of God, this is what I do, right and wrong. I'm right, uh, you know, I have to do good, all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Crawley is more of a quote unquote, even though he's a demon. So this is a weird term to use, soul searcher and decides whether something should be done or not done based on his, we'll call it a code. Well, I think now that makes total sense to me based upon my understanding of the Bible as I was taught it, right? It's about obedience to God. And, yes. you know, Lucifer questioned God. Yes. And didn't want to obey that command to obey humans. And so cast out. Yeah. And the tree of knowledge, right? Right. Right. He wanted to, God wanted to keep Adam and Eve ignorant yep. and passive and sheepy. Yep. Yep. The church would hope to do, keeping his, keeping its, <laughs> its members in line. So. Well, and I talk kind of about that when I talk about colonialism in my classes and, you know, the hidden agenda of colonialism, although I don't know if it was how well hidden it was, was to convert people to Christianity. And of course, it wasn't about gaining followers for Christ. It was about control. Because if everybody believes the same thing, it's much easier to control people. Absolutely. And that's why there were all those priests and friars and so forth that were sent out on the uh, explorer ships. Anyway, it's a little off topic, but you know. Very connected though. 
Did you notice what was in the background in Crowley's place? What painting? Oh, uh, the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa. (laughs) Yes. I I figure he's got the real one and he's put a fake up there. Yes. Yes. I loved that. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And I love that they made the summoner basically a UPS guy. (laughs) Fantastic. And he's going to summon the four horsemen. Fantastic. He is. And we can just get right into that. Yeah, let's uh, talk about that. Our our little peace accord here, perhaps peace in the Middle East, about to be signed in this little desert (laughs) spot. Looked like North Africa to me instead Mm. of the Middle East because there were, it looked like an African warlord and an African chief. You know, and maybe like I, I a, think, like a Libyan or Algerian. North now that you Northern say Africa. that, I I even think that the beginning says somewhere in Northern Africa. So I think you're right. I don't remember. I didn't have anything really written down. I didn't write it down, but I thought that's what I remember seeing. But there were there have been oh, a lot yes, of signposts a lot of put. Ah, it does say they, it was called No Man's Land, North Africa. Well, there you go. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Well, whoever's at the table, the peace accord fails. <laughs> the first package gets delivered and our devilish war correspondent with the red hair mm-hmm. gets her sword. Yes. I have my trivia question about this scene. Oh, goodness. <laughs> what publication does war work for? Oh, I know she's a war correspondent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where she's a war correspondent for. It's a bit of a contradictory title. It's called National World Weekly. <laughs> What's that? It's called National World Weekly. You said National World Weekly? Yes. Yeah. Nope. Didn't write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting, though, to make war... A correspondent yeah because i have a lot ever since walter cronkite left and retired the news has drastically gone downhill although dan rather i like dan rather now that he's retired i think he's really kind of critical of the news and and mm-hmm. so forth conscience but, yeah but i think the chaos that the media causes today is, mm. is is perfect to have war as a media correspondent yeah yeah and I thought she was even a war correspondent. Mm-hmm. It was just perfect that she was going in. She was just gleeful going oh, yes. in to mess up these peaceful, these peaceful plans. Well, you know, you should enjoy your work. She does. It really <laughs> does. seems like she does. She does. You know, when God is narrating... And it's like 60 centuries. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, 60 centuries? What is she talking about? And then I realized that was 60 centuries is supposedly from when the earth was created. The So the 6,000 years, right? Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, Tori. <laughs> well, Get it together. So many things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so anything else about the, the, the nowhere place in North Africa? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Nope. Although I just realized I wrote down War's name was Carmine, hmm. which, you know, another reference to Red. Yes. Oh, 
well spotted. So you're saying that in the show, her name is Carmine? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. That that connects to something later, but not this episode. <laughs> so in this episode, we head back to 1656. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did look up and Alice Nutter, who Agnes is based on, actually was killed in 1612. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know why they picked 1656. Mm, nor do I. And we've got our major pulse of her. Now, see, this gave me now wrong country, but this gave me real Scarlet Letter vibes. This oh, sort yeah. of Puritan witch hunt mm-hmm. and the fact that adultery is involved. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there we didn't have adultery. We don't have a woman who's pregnant and therefore has to wear a, an A on her chest for adultery. But having this pulse of her who thou shalt not. that's that's what gave me the whole the whole uh scarlet letter vibes i love that name yes thou shalt not commit adultery pulsifer pulsifer could you imagine like being his wife oh my gosh no shall not commit adultery pulsifer (laughs) right it's in your name yes yeah, I did the, like the, Agnes's prediction. Adultery is coming to town. Yes. Just yes, like Santa Claus fantastic. is coming to town. I actually did start singing, here comes adultery, here comes adultery. <laughs> well, Nutter seems like the real deal. Mm-hmm. She really does seem to know what's coming. And mm-hmm. she even says that they're late for her burning. Yeah, I was wondering because, you know, Alice Nutter was hanged. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. And so I was wondering what was with the pyre and gunpowder. And then I thought maybe it was a reference to Guy Fawkes. So I thought, well, is that the year that Guy Fawkes tried to blow up Parliament? But that's not the year either. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, she's very clever using gunpowder and i didn't even realize that roofing nails were a thing at the time but i guess they were (laughs) (laughs) to essentially make herself into a bomb yeah very interesting so i imagine she must have taken out at least pulsifer and i imagine quite a few of those nearby bystanders that she was Mm -hmm. trying to get so close in i know but her voice was so calm yes closer and i will tell you (laughs) And I loved how she just kind of marched to the pyre. Yes. Got right up say, there. Thou art late or something like that. Yes. <laughs> Ten I thought minutes I'd written late. it down, but evidently not. Um, but when Major Thou Shalt Not Commit Adultery Pulsifer yes. asking, did you test that she's a witch with your with that poker thing? That yes. Needle? And it hit, the guy is like, yes, we did. And she said it cured her arthritis. <laughs> I was like, accidental acupuncture. <laughs> Amazing. That was, I'm so glad you remembered that. <laughs> and yet another scene that reminded me, reminded me of Monty Python and the Holy Grail with the witch. Mm-hmm. She's, She's a witch. witch. She's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not the last time I'm reminded by Monty Python, but <laughs> that was definitely what I was thinking when we were in this. Because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of funny witch literature. I mean, yeah. not a lot of funny witch hunt and witch burning literature, yeah. but or media. Yeah. But nice. these are two examples. Yes. And I don't think it's insulting either. 
Because I, I well, it's interesting because Nutter actually has some abilities, right? And clearly, mm-hmm. these women who were killed, uh, it, they were innocent women who yes. were just murdered yes. for what? So, yes, that just from the strictest sense, that could cause some confusion to some people. They might think, oh, maybe some of those women deserved it. Maybe they really were kind of witchy. But what I absolutely loved was the agency of this witch, right? Right, right. Kind of turning them all on their noses. They thought they were coming and killing this witch. And she was like, well, it's time for me to go anyway. And I'm taking a bunch of you out with me, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I liked, I liked that empowerment angle. So yeah, you, you use the word respectful and. Well, I I don't think they were trying to be disrespectful of the witch trials, whether they were in England or um, colonial America. I don't, I don't think they were trying to be disrespectful to the the women. Those lives lost. Right. I agree. I agree. That's what I was going for. <laughs> and I agree with that. Cool. So let's see what next. Oh, yes. I mean, Agnes really had modern ideas with fiber and jogging <laughs> and <laughs> curing people of all these illnesses. But yeah. the, towns, the townspeople still wanted her to burn. Mm-hmm mm-hmm mob mentality yeah i at first thought that woman who was telling him about the jogging was going to be more on her side and giving reasons for why they shouldn't kill her yeah and clearly she'd healed a couple of her lo- loved ones but then she was just like she's a witch Let's yeah get her. yeah so. well i think that's kind of what the witch trials were like neighbors yeah. who probably yes. had spent time with the women and well, and sometimes the men, right? And uh, just turned on them for personal reasons. Totally agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So then we find out about the results of the will. I'm not saying there was a will, but mm-hmm. Nutter leaves a box and a book to her daughter and son in law, John and Virtue Device. Virtue Device. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what is the bring out the chastity belt kind of thing? Yes, yes. (laughs) You'd think a modern woman like Agnes would have used a different name than Virtue, but so be it. (laughs) It's not, well, I mean, it's funny. (laughs) It is. And, you know, sets up important stuff for future characters. Very important stuff. So we have the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter. (laughs) Well, I sure wish I would have had access to Prophecy 2214. Holy cow. Apple richness coming our way. Mm-hmm. So we learned that these are completely correct prophecies, including those leading to the Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, some of that information, if she needed her family to be there to foil Armageddon, I guess she right. had to make sure they were going to be able to afford to do so. <laughs> Right. And speaking of, our next scene is in Malibu with some of her descendants. And did mm-hmm. you notice that the house was built around that huge rock, which, yes. dare I say, perhaps was an erratic? <laughs> it was a big boulder. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, I did notice that. And so we meet Anathema, <laughs> a descendant of 
our Agnes. Mm-hmm. And anathema, a very different name than virtue. <laughs> yes. Although hmm? I did find out that in Greek, it just means a thing devoted. Oh. And in the Old Testament, it can either refer to revered objects or objects representing destruction in the name of God. Wow. I think we've got to go with the information you found as opposed to the modern definition, because right. that would really make sense that mm-hmm. the name was chosen based on more ancient Yeah. Yeah, because I looked at the word. Right. I was looking at the definitions and I'm like, yeah, but I go, I'm going to try to go a little deeper and see if I can find anything. And I did. I was so uh, kind of excited about finding that. Nice. Because it made much more sense to me in the context of this show. So I think, I don't think this is a spoiler, even though it's research I did for a later episode. Uh it, It turns out that anathema is part of the an old the old christian ceremony of excommunication yeah throwing out a member right and this makes me think and the 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 process itself is called oh shoot like a bell like the bell the candle and the book ah and shadow so, so anathema <laughs> You that definition you used of doing what what for God something destruction destruction in the name of God of yeah yes yeah, so sort of destroying this person's connection to you know right an unpleasant task right yes, yes. but in the name of God yeah. so I think I think that that hits upon those definitions that you are talking about yeah now what did you say chadwell oh Shad- chadwell <laughs> yes precisely we'll we'll revisit that yes yes yeah but that that's why i did the research but anathema's in there great interesting yeah so let's see what okay and we meet that... newton newton Parker. Oh, that's right <laughs> jack whitehall great casting I love Jack Whitehall. I think he's so funny. Have you seen, I think it's on Netflix, Jack Whitehall's Travels with His Father? No. Oh my gosh. You should watch that. Okay. I think you'd love the British humor. Okay. Okay. I like it. Mm -hmm. Check that out. Do you have any theories about Pulsifer's connection with electricity or power or computers? Well, I mean, I'm hoping it comes into play here. <laughs> Me too. Me too. But I think as of yet, I have no theory. I don't either. Okay. I don't either. But I I couldn't understand why the heck someone would choose to go into computers when they have a problem with electricity. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> well, I guess he did sign up for the job as what it's just that the database was on the computer yeah what he actually did i don't think needed a computer but in order to enter the information or get any information he Mm -hmm. as with so many jobs he needed a computer yeah kind of problem in the modern world (laughs) if you have to use computers but i did have to look up why the name of his car was important Mm. 
and I looked up some information, which I think I'm going to hold on to for now until we see if the show actually explains why Has- Dick Turpin is an important name. Okay. Okay. Because I know that I, what all I remember from what you're saying are the girls saying goodnight Dick or something. And he's like, no, that's not my name. That's the car. Right. And I did go back and look at the sticker and it says Dick Turpin. Okay. And he said, I could tell you the story and right. is right. long gone. So I right. I do hope that comes later as well. So yeah, perhaps save it. Yeah. So that's because really cool. even though with the research that I did, it still doesn't make sense to me as to okay. why he would have named his car that. Okay. So maybe something in the future will help it fall into place. Hopefully. That's uh, keeping my fingers crossed. That would be good. <laughs> So this anathema device is tasked with hunting down the heart of darkness and trying to destroy it. I thought it was like every time I think of anathema device, it just makes me snort laugh. (laughs) I tried to sit back a little bit so people wouldn't hear me when you were saying it, but. (laughs) You know, I, I fully imagine that the term heart of darkness must have existed before Joseph Conrad's book of the name. Well, I think story. a lot of, I, I think it's a kind of colonial reference to Africa. So I don't oh, think he coined it. Perfect. Okay. Okay. I wonder if there were even things earlier than that, earlier than mm-hmm. colonialism. This is not something I looked up, so I should look it up. Yeah. But interesting. I, yeah. I wondered why, you know, when Newton gets fired from his job. And he's outside, yes. I think he was outside the parliament building when he was talking to his mom, right? Oh, I didn't catch that. Which also made me wonder if that gunpowder nails thing really was a Guy Fox reference. Oh. But I could be reading way too much into it. I'm not going to rule it out. So then, <laughs> love that we've got Michael McKeon. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes. The prophet on the street. (laughs) And this brings it us to my trivia question. Mm. So Shadwell is holding up a sign. Yeah. Do you you recall that? I do. And upon the sign are written characteristics of witches to kind of look out for. And my trivia question was, can you name three of those characteristics that were on the sign? Well, no. (laughs) Okay. I I remember seeing the sign and I didn't, it was going so fast and I didn't pause it. And so what were the characteristics? I paused it and I think it was worth it. So the characteristics (laughs) were, starts, starts off pretty simple. Blight crops. Cast the evil eye. Dance naked, which in quotes is an abomination. (laughs) Worship the devil. Have too many nipples. Oh, I should have guessed that one. Jeez. (laughs) And call their cats funny names. (laughs) And both the nipples and the cats come back, right? Yeah. Yep. So. Gosh. So that was what was on the sign. That's funny. Call their cats funny names. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So 
you have anything else on the Shadwell Pulsifer dialogue here? No, not particularly. I just, I mean, the names they're using are great. You know, Witchfinder Sergeant Shadwell. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Shadwell, I guess, is a district in East London. So I don't know if oh. maybe that's where they were supposed to be or or what. And Shadwell, at some point, puts somebody down for being from Southern England or London. <laughs> and he must not be in that direction. So he could yeah. be East, could be North, could be, could be West. <laughs> could be, could be. <laughs> but then we're uh, after we're in uh, wherever in London, <laughs> near yep. Parliament. Or where's Parliament? I what part know. of London? Is that Central London? Doesn't matter. Don't get into it, Tori. But now we're back to Tadfield at Jasmine Cottage. And And Anathema is here. And Anathema is there. And we're two days to the end of the world. Did you know that Jasmine as a flower represents, it's actually a Persian word that doesn't represent, Persian word that translates into gift from God. Wow. So all sorts of little things here with Anathema. I wonder if anathema might be Earth's help coming from a surprising quarter, given that she's an occultist. Oh. I don't know. It's going to be tough because it could also be Crawley, right? Yeah. Because it's also unexpected yeah. quarter. But oh. Oh. just when you said that about the gift. Yeah, perhaps. I didn't think about that, but could be. Could be. So but, uh, anathema yeah. is ready to work. Oh, I was just going to ask. So who do you think was calling about the prophecy books? I still don't know. Hmm. I have that same question because I was like, did we jump some time? Is that anathema calling to see if someone has brought in the book? But I don't think so. I think this happens Mm -hmm. before anathema loses the book. It does. It's definitely before she loses the book. And the angel probably would not have lied about not having the book because right. then he's got the book. Right. So I do not know who that, I hope we find out because I have that same question. Hmm. Well, we'll have to keep an eye out for that or yes. an ear out for that, I guess. Yes. Who was, okay. was the woman, the <laughs> actor that played Madam Tracy, is it the same woman that played rita skeeter and harry potter oh my gosh i think you're right i didn't look it up but now that you're saying that boy i knew her name about 10 minutes ago miranda richardson yes is that her name yes well i know miranda richardson i think you're rita skeeter is that who played and i think i saw miranda richardson in the credits oh so i i think you're right I think you're right. <laughs> Easy enough to confirm that. Mm-hmm. But I remember ke- I was keeping my eye out for mm-hmm. Miranda Richardson, mm-hmm. who I had actually thought was someone else. <laughs> oh. Who did you but think she was? I can't remember. But th- as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, yes, that is Miranda Richardson. So... Yeah, that's uh, her for sure. Trying I've seen to her in so many things. Rita Skeeter, 2010. What? Uh, Rita, Rita Skeeter. 
Oh, I said, okay. Rita Skeeta, 2010. Oh. I just I looked like, it up on IMDb. It sounded like Rita, and I couldn't even yeah. understand what you, were, what you were saying. I was trying to pronounce it the way they did in Harry Potter. Oh. Rita Skeeta. Got it. Got it. <laughs> but I, I loved the interaction between Madame Tracy and Shadwell. Oh, my gosh. There's <laughs> definitely something going on there. <laughs> Oh, those two together. He's just like cutting her down, cutting her down. And I love when she's like, can you bring back, give me back the dishes from the other night? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Did you, did you see what was on the piece of paper that was on Shadwell's door? Yes. I did write that one down. Defy the foul fiend. Defy the foul fiend. Is that like a Shakespeare line? (laughs) Not that I know of. Okay. I was going to look that up and say, is that? Maybe a famous saying I'm supposed to know, but that would be interesting. I I didn't even think. I just I was like, oh, that's perfect for his door. But mm-hmm. I didn't think it's look oh, looks like it's the name of a book. Ah, although I'm looking at the cover of this book, and it's got a representation of the devil on it. Mm. Yeah, this is by John Collier. It looks like it was from the 1950s, maybe. Interesting. Defy the whole fiend. Keep thy foot out of brothels. Oh my gosh. Out of plackets. Thy pen from lenders' books. And defy the foul fiend. It is Shakespeare. (laughs) I don't recognize the phrase. Now they don't tell us which play. Oh man. But do you know what I'm going to guess? No. I'm going to guess, I'm a total guess here, but I'm going to guess that it's Polonius from Hamlet since oh. he's giving this advice. And I'm wondering if it's part of his advice, you know, the uh-huh. be not a borrower or lender be speech. Neither a borrower mm-hmm. nor a lender be. Mm-hmm. Do not forget. <laughs> I just remember it from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yep. But that's the one I'm talking about that when <laughs> Polonius is talking to Laertes. But I'm going to have to find out which play this is from. Huh. Wow. I tell you, uh, most, uh, you know, if you, if you have to guess what's this quote from, either Shakespeare or the Bible is the way to go. <laughs> yeah. You probably have an 80% chance of getting it right if you guess Shakespeare. I think just about. <laughs> Too funny. Oh, I, I'm so Oh, happy. my gosh. Okay. It is actually King Lear. Really? Yes, who says it? I don't remember that from that production that we saw in Ashland, Oregon. Shakespeare mm-hmm. Festival, Ashland, Oregon. Great place, great time. Interesting. Okay, well, my guess, my guess was wrong, but there are some more fathers and sons in King Lear, so maybe, yeah. maybe it's some advice from another father to another son. <laughs> anyway, okay, so. And then the next scene, we find out that Crowley is named, given himself a first name, which is Anthony. Yes. Do you know the meaning of Anthony? Nope. Priceless one. Oh, my gosh. Or highly praiseworthy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I laughed so so hard. I was like, of course Crowley picks that for us. Of course he picked it. (laughs) Now, is this, is it before or after the Thunder Gun of Witchfinder Colonel get them before they get you dollar wimple yeah it's, it's after that <laughs> okay okay 
I had to say that because <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. Yes. And then did you notice when he said, what do you think the scissors are for? And he put his hand uh, and Newton puts his hand up and there's kind of the psycho music. Oh, I you missed know, that. It's it's a little bit melodic for it, but oh. it, it absolutely has to be a nod. Do you remember him when he says, what do you think we do with the scissors? And he put his hands up and made stabbing motions. Yeah. Yeah. It was during the stabbing motions. With each stab motion, there was really? kind of a, a oh. sound. Yeah. With the yeah. Yes, but it wasn't quite as harsh, but it really seemed to be that rhythm. And huh. I mean, that is the motion. It just, wow. I, I think it had to be a psycho nod. Totally but it was that. It was not nearly the the nails on a chalkboard kind of sound that you hear in psycho. It was huh. more like it was coming from a symphony. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Totally missed it. Over my head. Okay. So let's go ahead and move on to where you were with Anthony Crawley. <laughs> and boy, he really drives like a bat out of hell. Oh my and gosh. Did you happen to, <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny when the Velvet Underground was oh, mentioned mm -hmm. and <laughs> Zerofel was like, oh, I wouldn't like it because it's, what do you say, bebop? bebop. <laughs> <laughs> And I have to agree, uh, you know, later on, Crowley's like, nobody yes. would use Bebop to describe the Velvet Underground. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think my music tastes would probably probably run along pretty well with Crowley's. Oh, God. Yeah, I love Velvet Underground. So we have them eating some ice cream and this total disbelief that there could be 39 flavors. Yeah. Now, this was interesting. And I don't know if 39 had some other significance, but when they said they have 39 in America, mm -hmm. I was like, well, Baskin Robbins is 31 flavors, not oh. 39. Yeah. And when looking that up cuz I couldn't quite remember if it was 31. <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> I'm glad you sure. did. I just automatically is... assumed when they ripped off a number like that, I'm like, "Oh, Baskin Robbins." not the same number huh. and the 31 is very significant and this may help you remember that it's 31 in the future because the reason they picked 31 was for every day of the month that you could have a different flavor of ice cream oh, every day wow. of the month and the longest month is 31 wow. so that's where 31 flavors comes from i did not know that me either huh so I don't know what the 39 is for. Yeah, I don't either. So we get a little more background on some of these kids. <laughs> I love that that Pepper or Pippin's yes. middle name is Galadriel. Pippin Galadriel Moonchild. <laughs> Amazing. Like, Somebody's a Tolkien fan. <laughs> exactly. I didn't catch Brian's last name. Did they did we ever get that? I didn't catch it either if they did give it. Mm -hmm. And we've already talked a little bit about the cheese kid. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And they are getting hyped up about killing witches, which sounded terrible, but mm -hmm. ends up being pretty innocuous. Yes. Yeah. And I love that they started referring to themselves as the British Inquisition. Yes, that was although, awesome. Although I did have to wonder, would kids that age actually know about the Spanish Inquisition? I mean, I don't think I learned about it until I was maybe in high school. Well, I was like, I could watch the Monty Python. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. And he was like, and I, I 
I visited and I can teach you Spanish. They say ole a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I love how they're supposed to be, you know, witch hunting and totally miss all of the clues about anathema. (laughs) Yes, 100%. (laughs) So my next note isn't until we head to the paintball, the paintball convent. Okay, go for it. Sister so, Mary yes, so we've got her, but loved the Crawley letting his inner snake out to scare that guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very quick, very kind of scary. And it's actually this scene where we find out that Sister Teresa's last or second name was Garrulous. Yes, that is perfect. I, I put that together <laughs> and another word for excessive or energetic talking you know, mm-hmm. another talking related another chatter related yes thing. yeah and yeah. did you notice now when they said when they were explaining this location which seems like businesses come for team building if you will essentially right, right. did you recognize any of the people i did not i think they were the people from newton's job at where he where he shut down the computer oh my god you can't see my face but my eyes just got really wide and my mouth dropped open i didn't catch that now i want to go back and and look again i I think the one they were pelting was kind of the boss oh wow i mean i remember the older guy Who's like and the first like one to actually woman... get killed, killed. <laughs> oh, now this was a little earlier than that. Okay. This this was earlier than that while it was still paintball. And it was kind of when the whole place was being explained. So it's huh. very early on. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah. Yeah. But I, 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 I didn't go back and look, but I was like, I think they are from that office. So, That's funny. Anyway. Okay. We're back to it. To, uh the guys in the car and they hit an atma <laughs> yes and she loses yes. her book oh my gosh yes and i i loved i loved how they fixed everything and mm-hmm. Azurafel went too far and yeah. gave the bike gears <laughs> and that when they get in the car what queen's song is playing <laughs> bicycle bicycle <laughs> i want to ride my bicycle yes. <laughs> yeah it. i thought that was funny Queen song for every occasion <laughs> fantastic so yes she left her book then we jump to adam and his parents right mm-hmm. now here is where i spotted something that is in the beginning credits oh in adam's room there is a spaceship and do you remember in the credits there is a spaceship yeah and it like busts apart and fish fall out it's like turns into fish falling from the sky oh but that spaceship which is kind of a square it's a bit distinctive yeah i know it's a spaceship but it looks a little strange i think has to be the one that is in adam's room oh i'm gonna look for that for sure yeah so 
that was my oh. find for this episode from the intro. I think that's the only one. Well, here is where I wrote the question. Who had called him about the book? Yeah. So I really do hope we we find that out. What I did check is Martha the Gypsy, Ignatius Sabella, Otwell Bins. Well, let me come back to Otwell Bins. The other two, Nostradamus, mm -hmm. Mother Shipton, yep. all, and St. John the Divine of Patmos, yeah. <laughs> all did the things, you know, all wrote prophecies or in St. John the Divine of Patmos's case, wrote the book of Revelation. Yeah. I had to look that up too. I was like, are those real? I've never heard of any of those. And then I'm like, oh, I, know. Wait, I, I mean, Nostradamus, of course, but. Yes. Yes. Martha the Gypsy and Mother Shipton, I found a, a their actual prophecies online. I did too. <laughs> part of that Gutenberg project. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Them, that's those, yeah. Now, Otwell Bins, I wasn't able to find that he made any predictions, but he was a real author. Did you yeah. find anything out about him? Uh, just what you said. I couldn't find anything about prophetic writings, but I did read it, that he was an author. It almost made me wonder if they meant to have Nixon there. Oh, possibly. It, instead, but who knows? So yeah. anyway. I don't know. Loved that one of the prophecies was about Zerfell at that very moment. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like flipping out. He's like, oh. <laughs> yes. But he does yes. figure out who the Antichrist is. Cracks the case. Yes, he Wide does. open. And the episode ends. Yeah. A good one. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Not, not as... We didn't have to go through as much as we did in the last one, but still a good many things to say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I'm I just very really much looking for me too. I'm very much looking forward to talking about our next episode, episode three, hard times. <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Wallowing in the Shallows is created and produced by the both of us. Edited by Mo. Wallowing in the Shallows Good Omen Season 1 Rewatch soundtrack is Waltz Number no. 2 from the Jazz Suite Number no. 2 by Dmitry Shostakovich on archive.org. You can send us feedback at witstvpod at gmail.com. That's W-I-T-S-T-V-P-O-D at gmail.com. Subscribe and subscribe and subscribe. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Like and subscribe.